and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk on Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher, as I trip over my words. <laughs> I'm Kitty. <laughs> uh, I think I'm Chris. <laughs> this week, we're talking about how difficult we really want our co-op games to be. When is a game too hard or too easy to be fun? What kind of difficulty do we prefer? And is Spirit Island really as hard as Chris says it is? It is. Also, how difficult do we want our intros to be? Um, but first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, and The Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. You can find them at thegiftofgames.com. And welcome to Kamal Berth. Hopefully I'm saying that right, because on DTN this week, I murdered every name I said. Um, and a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Uh, That's what okay, happens when you week, don't have me there. It, it's it's. This I should have zoomed in just to correct your speech, even if I wasn't backing anything on Kickstarter. Actually, I'm going to make you do that. Like, oh, you don't have a game? Fine. You'll just watch me talk. Ready? I'll still go. be there. I'll listen all like right. this. I'm going to make <laughs> that. Will this all right. help? So, um, no, you just have to be in the live audience to see how adorable <laughs> Kitty's being right now. <laughs> and if you want to be in our live audience, you can join us every week, Monday night, 8.30 Central Time. Just go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live um, or, you know, click on the link in the show notes. Okay, there's a couple things we need to talk about up front before we get to our topic. I'm really excited to talk about co-op games. Uh, first <laughs> is a simple one. We talked about uh, inserts last week. Yes. Which... Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was a good a good episode. That was fun, uh, and I said that especially Wingspan once I learned it wasn't about probably flyers. not get. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait, isn't this a little catalogs? Uh, I love it. But um, so I said that Wingspan wasn't going to get a big box expansion because the one for Scythe probably didn't do all that well. Well, apparently I was wrong. Joseph pointed out that in the Stonemeyer email, the champions email that goes out. Um, there's a wingspan box and organizer on the schedule that's being developed right now. So for those of you who want a solution for your wingspan storage, blah, 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 um, that's <laughs> turn into a vampire. Oh, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Also, last week I forgot to mention, I don't know how many, I don't know what the crossover is with our podcast and financial podcasts. I know there's at least one, and that's my wife. <laughs> two. Um, but Sydney, two. All right. Do you listen to Motley Fool? I don't, but I listen to other financial podcasts. All right. Well, apparently, Motley Fool, which is a very popular podcast, it's a website. Uh, too. He is also really a really popular website. And a website, too. Yeah. And he's also a board gamer. And he does an episode each year now, I guess for the last four or five years, about board games. And he did an episode a few weeks ago, I think for holidays, essentially saying top 10 board games in a couple or top five board games in a few different categories. Well, Sydney is an avid listener and sent him an email and told him all about our podcast. And that email was read on a recent Motley Fool podcast. So this was the mailbag episode in either late December, early January. Uh, so if you want to hear an email that Sydney wrote about us to Motley Fool that he reads in entirety and comments on intelligently, um, you should check out the Motley Fool And podcast. if you're visiting us so from Motley Fool. Now that I've Motley plugged Fool, him. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, You've got mail. Yeah, welcome. Uh, and, and we apologize for the false advertising. But <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but no, that, I thought that was very, very cool. And 
Yeah, it, and the podcast was. I now granted, she listens to it religiously. I listened to the gaming episode, and I thought the gaming episode was really well done. Um, so, and when he was, she was reading. No, he was reading her email. Um, he did. He did, commented on a few things that, like, wow, you really know your games. So he's a big fan <laughs> of board game geek and all of that. All right. Uh, one more thing before we can start talking about the co-op. I need to talk to Kitty and Fletcher for a moment, so the rest of you just kind of tune out. I have finalized our rules for the 2021 epic <laughs> year-long giveaway. Yes. And I just want to inform you, inform you too. Yeah, just the two of you, no one else. Everyone else, again, tune out. Skip ahead so, 30 seconds. Um, and I have to reread these because <laughs> I, I wrote these a while ago. So, uh, any... So for this, to enter this podcast, or enter this podcast, enter <laughs> wow. this contest. We really want to make it very it's clear. It's be difficult. So First of all, don't. enter the podcast, apply to be the fourth host. You'll do a battle this royale with, with three of us. You're going to digitize yourself in a horrendous yeah. accident and lose It'll your be, father forever. Yeah. But in doing that, you'll be you'll have an opportunity to win a game. All this for a board so, game. <laughs> if you decide to do that. Wow. Is that all I have to do? <laughs> it's all they have to do. I think you should pay me. Digitize yourself. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. Email us dur- anytime during this year. If you email us and say, hey, I want to be part of the 2021 giveaway, you are entered for the entire year. A single email. That's all it takes. Now, if you are a patron you will get a number of entries equal to your patron level, which is basically equal to the number of dollars per month, uh, whatever that level is, plus one. So you will get that email entry automatically for free. You do not need to email if you're you're a patron. You automatically get that extra entry. Now, here's the catch, and this is a big catch. The winner must email me within two weeks to claim their game, and then we'll work out shipping. So in this particular contest, you will win the game of your choice. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but you do have to cover shipping, and that way I can make it a worldwide thing, and you can decide whether or not you want to want to do that or not. But you do have to email within two weeks. If you do not email me within two weeks saying, I claim my winningness, uh, I'm just going to do an extra drawing right then, and someone else can claim your winningness. Finally, you can only win once in 2021. You can only win once for this particular giveaway. If we do some other kind of in the middle giveaway, you can win that too. But for this giveaway, you can only win once. And what we're going to do is I'm going to have a list of games probably in the show notes. So you'll be able to go to the website at any given point and see what games are up. And I will add to this list over the year. But you will be able to pick any game from that list. And some games will count as like a half or a quarter if it's a little game or something like that. And you want to like, I want this one, this one, and this one. So in summary... Email me to enter. Doesn't cost you anything, but if you're a patron, you'll get extra entries. You can only win once. You have to claim your prize within two weeks, and you'll pick your prize from a list. What do you think, Don't Fletcher? They have to pay for shipping. Is this a good rules. They have to pay for shipping. That's also part of the summary. <laughs> good catch. <laughs> uh, I think it works um, well. Shipping is relatively yeah. reasonable in most cases. All right, cool. And yeah, also, I'll, to be honest, I'm probably going to throw in a bunch of little games for anyone who wins. You're going to get a run- bunch of random small stuff because that's really the only way I can. This get is rid just of that dice. <laughs> have 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 a die. <sighs> okay. Uh, anything else? Oh, I didn't ask you how your guys this week were, or how mine was. Um, I went back to work today, and that's why. Oh I'm yeah, really, that's um, right. I'm, I'm. Yeah. How's how's uh <sighs> two- how's the old company? Um, I started work on Monday, January 11th. My account director 
last day is Wednesday, January 12th. And the vice president overseeing the division that I'm working in, last day is Friday, January 4th. No, January 13th. And then his last day is January 15th, um, at which point I'm responsible for everything they do. So, yeah, it's a great, cool. great time. Well, that should come with a massive pay increase, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Um, yeah, raises were on hold, um, promotions on hold. So, won't be seeing anything there. But on the upside, I have a job. And I don't even mean that facetiously. I literally I have a job, and I'm I'm cool with that. And I actually like this account. I like the client we're working with. So um, I'm looking forward to all the extra stuff that I'm doing. It's just a lot in the first couple of days because I have to get all my questions answered by both of these people before they leave. But how's how's your job, Fletcher? Where do you work these days? I still work in the same place. The old the old Foot Locker. The old Foot Locker. Yep. Selling shoes. I hope that people think that you're like one of those guys in a striped shirt. Oh, they call I, them stripers. I mean, actually, he's wearing a striped shirt right that's, now. Uh, that's her name. <laughs> of there course they do. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't work uh, at a retail location. I work uh, in what they call IT. Yeah, he's a manager. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a manager. I, I, I help make the app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the Foot Locker brands app. There's like. All right. I don't know, five of them, six of them? I should know. You probably should. All right. All right. Well, um, I need some shoes, so I'm going to ping you afterwards. But, yeah. Fletcher actually gets a pretty decent discount. Just saying. Yeah, my discount's pretty good. I mean. <laughs> yeah, if anyone needs shoes, you should definitely email oh my God. him. I don't we'll need that. We'll put his personal put email in the show notes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put it on the prize list. <laughs> Free shoes. You can win a game or a pair of discounted shoes. No, there's no free uh, shoes. There's no I discounted shoes. I can't give away the discount. <laughs> but there is a free app that Fletcher will happily. There send is a you free app, for. and I will send you the link for it if you want to download the Foot Locker app, or the Champs app, or the East Bay app, or the Kids Foot Locker app, or the Foot Action app, or East Bay. It is Fletcher's had Fletcher's had a hand in all yep. of them. They're pretty much all the same. Just all right, Kitty, anything cool for you this week? Yeah. <laughs> what was that, Chris? I heard my name. Anything cool for you this week? I'm wide awake. My children are right, great perfect. and I love them. And I didn't walk away from this podcast for a couple of minutes to go stop my dishwasher because I didn't realize it was so loud until I tried to run it while I was recording a podcast. So I edited out some stuff from our last podcast, <laughs> but not the baby crying. I actually edited out us talking about the baby crying because, because your microphone you couldn't didn't hear the baby crying. Any of it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to edit Everybody's that part cutting out. it up. Like, I don't hear a baby crying. Yeah, what what's what's going Schrodinger's on? Are they baby. feeding that child or not? Schrodinger's yeah. baby. <laughs> this is Schrodinger's baby. It's not your baby. <laughs> all she right, was let's both talk crying about and not crying at the same time until you open the bedroom door. <laughs> and then, and then the waveform collapses. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, if you were in the live audience, you heard her. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We use two different microphones, and the one that we hear live was definitely audible. Uh, the one that you hear on the podcast was not. So these microphones are slightly better. Well, slightly better at stripping out background noise. I was going to say, so, it depends on what you're talking about. Because, you know, if you want to hear my dog bark and everything, then you should really be listening here. <laughs> yes. Um, but you should be part of the live audience anyway because they get all kinds of extra benefits um they heard about my basement woes this morning which we're not going to talk morning? about um they heard about oh, they heard about the basement woes that happened this morning this afternoon 
Chris has actually been on this call <laughs> since, since the morning, just waiting Surprise. for people. It's been, he's at work, really and he's like, day. I don't want to work. First day back at work, <laughs> I'm just going to wrap my fingers against the desk, waiting for people to join the Zoom call. <laughs> please, please. I need to vent. I need to vent. Uh, he's just got uh, this constantly open in the background. <laughs> it's it's good times. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk about co-op games. I'm excited about this one. Kitty is never excited about anything. You can tell by a look on her face. <laughs> if you were in your live not audience. I'm really awake. I'm really sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm like sleepwalking through life. Um, my kids have been taking turns sleeping so that they both have the energy to harass me during the day. Tag team. Um, all right. Since we're still not on topic. Tag out. All yeah, right. I, what are the Go th- pester the parents. <laughs> And screaming now. We had a company meeting. We had a company meeting today, and and um, someone pointed out that I was back, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm back, blah blah blah. And they're like, oh, how much sleep are you getting? I'm like, oh well, she's been sleeping through the night since she was six weeks old. And multiple people with little kids were like, what? And then one person made a joke of saying, hey, you should do it. Like, we'll do a seminar next week on how to get your kid to sleep through the night. And I'm like, yeah, you roll the dice and cross your fingers. That's pretty much the whole gist of it, because there's no control over kids. Uh, how they old are, is your kid now? Uh, four months as of tomorrow, as of when most people are hearing this. So on, on Wednesday, she's four months old. Okay. Because that was when my kid stopped sleeping through the night. She was yeah, sleeping um, through the night. And then she stopped sleeping through the night. And now I'm she's almost back s- to sleeping through the night. Except my son had a nightmare that baby Jack-Jack was covered in mud. And he was trying to get his sister, which is very sweet that he is very protective of his sister. But it also really has disrupted our sleep this week. Yeah, I'm just fingers crossed because she seems completely fine to just sleep. And again, I check it like five o'clock in the morning. I wake up and she hasn't woken up again. And I stare at our little video monitor waiting for her to make a twitch so I can make sure she's still alive. That arm move or something like, oh, has she rolled? Because we have the video that um, you can, like, scroll back. So I, like, watch them, like, shift in their sleep slightly over the hours. Yeah. Being a parent is really fun. I love it. Yeah. But co-op games. <laughs> co-op games. So let's talk about the difficulty of co-op parenting. I mean, co-op <laughs> games. <laughs> Both have their own challenges. Um. So the reason I wanted to have this topic is because a few weeks ago, a game came out called Spirit Island. And it, it's been out for a while, but it came out on the iPad. And I was going to say, this is a game that was on Kickstarter like three years ago. <laughs> yes. And and it's a fantastic game and people love playing it in person. But I like playing things on the iPad because it enforces the rules for me, especially co-op games where they kind of turn into single player games. So I downloaded this game. It's The implementation is fantastic. It's just under as good as Root. I still think Root is a better app implementation, but this is very, 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 very good. If you like Spirit Island, you should download this game. I think it's on Steam, but it's definitely on iPad. It's not on any um, phone device. And John tells me it is on Steam. So this game, at base difficulty, with a single character. So you can play it from one to four characters, and you can play them yourself if you want. Uh, that's how they make it a co-op game versus a solo game. I, To me, this game is almost always a solo game. It's just a cooperative solo game, if that makes sense. I think that that should be a term I'm going to start using, cooperative solo game. But um, it is one of the hardest... No, it is the hardest solo game I have ever played. It hurts my head to play 
but I love it. And so as I was playing it on the app, I could not beat it at the standard difficulty. So I had to make it easier. So there's a ways of scaling that difficulty. So I, I did, you get an extra advance before the game starts and the invaders don't get to invade the island when the game starts. So I, I put on those two options and I was able to beat it and I had a lot of fun. But then at the end of that game, I got a little thing saying, with easier difficulties, statistics and achievements are turned off, <laughs> which made me mad. Because now it's saying, yeah, you won, but it doesn't, doesn't count. count. And I'm like, oh. So then I went back to being on the difficult level, and I still haven't won. I won once, one out of like eight or nine games. So that now I'm just back down to the my two easy settings, and I'm happy, and I don't care. I do. That I don't get achievements. Stupid achievements anyway. And I don't have any statistics. Who cares about statistics? It's just a number. So, my question is, Kitty, Fletcher, when you're playing a co-op game, and we're going to start with you, Fletcher, and we're going to start with a co-op game that I know you've played, Gloomhaven. If Gloomhaven had a win rate of one out of five times you played it, would you enjoy that game as much as you enjoy it now, which is typically flipped? You probably win four out of five times you play that game, if not more. Yeah. Um, If I won Gloomhaven... One out of five times, I would probably not enjoy that game as much because I would consider it too difficult. And like, I feel like I'm messing up and doing something wrong, or there's something like inherent to the game that I just don't understand because that seems like a pretty low win rate. To be fair, I don't think I've ever it doesn't won, make you... maybe once I've won a game of um, a pandemic. That is also a hard game to win, but I have fun playing that. I don't know. Interesting, because that's the that's the question I'm going to throw over to Kitty. So, Kitty, you played a lot of solo pandemic, mm-hmm. and how many times? And we know that if you th- saw that you were going to lose, you just exited the game and restarted. <laughs> but how often did you feel like you had to do that? Like, what was your like gut instinct win rate in pandemic? See, I never really tracked it that carefully. Um, but I don't I- care about tracking. I don't, like I said, I'd say even though I, chat I probably, says I care about statistics. I do I'm, care about I'm statistics. About your... and I, I don't know. I, I'd say my gut feeling is it depends on how I'm playing. Because with Pandemic, there are a lot of variables going in, and you can make it harder or easier. I If you're playing just like plain Pandemic with like the Dream Team characters, and like I, I just looked at this thing because I was curious about pandemic statistics and somebody has written like a serious scientific paper about pandemic statistics <laughs> on board game geek and i highly recommend everyone looks at it I, but, um, i'm actually going to copy the link from the chat <laughs> and i am going to put this in the show notes because this guy really cares and um so apparently the roles you play maybe don't matter i don't know but i'm just used to playing like a four-player game with like the basic rules i probably win a little more than half of the time. Okay. And that makes you feel happy, satisfied when you win. And when you're playing it on the app, it's it's like, okay, I can reset and try again, which yeah. we'll call that I, a, lo- a loss. But I'd probably, well, yeah, it is a loss. I've just decided I lost and move on. I mean, that's the same with, like, I don't know, in like plain old solitaire, I probably, I don't know. It's hard to say because there's some like just unwinnable scenarios, like the way the deck is stacked sometimes, like, and you 
in solitaire, the way you lose is you just realize that the deck is stacked. You can't do anything else. Like, and in pandemic, there is a moment where like, I cannot possibly come back from this. And like, I just don't feel like playing out the end of my loss. I don't know. So it feels kind of the same to me. I count it as a loss. Yeah. And and it is. And, but, and so to me, that 50, 50 is, it's especially when you're doing it online, it's enough to keep you wanting to come back. Now, let me ask you this. What difficulty did you play pandemic on? Um, I think that that I was just like talking about my 50, 50 ish win rate is pretty, um, like just what you open the app, that's what it is. And the standard difficulty. Yeah, it's like the standard difficulty. I do think I kind of got bored of that and I think I made it harder though. Okay. This is we're going <laughs> to we're going to get there. So, and I haven't played in Fletcher. a while though. I found other app games to play, so like I'm not fully up on this, but Oh yeah, you didn't know. And we'll we'll switch to other things too. There's a number Everything of other things I want to talk about. Everything is a grain of too. salt with this. And I have something yeah. to add to Gloomhaven later, but we'll get there. <laughs> okay. So, Fletcher When playing Gloomhaven, did you ever have the desire to step the difficulty up? So, to so those who don't know, Gloomhaven has a standard difficulty: number of players. You take the level, you divide by the number of players, and that's a difficulty level. But you you have the option of making it harder, and if you make it harder, I think you get some extra rewards like bonus experience and stuff like that. Um, did you ever step the difficulty up in Gloomhaven, or did you just always play what the standard difficulty? Uh, was? No, we uh, I've stepped the difficulty up some sometimes. And why? Um. Sometimes you can like when you're setting up the room and everything you can you can get a good idea of like what you're fighting and it's like yeah okay we'll bump usually it's not more than one like okay we'll bump the difficulty by one and the reason that we do that is for more experience and more gold. Okay. So, when you did that, did you feel good winning that increased difficulty? Uh yeah, I guess so, but I don't think I felt really any better than if it was standard difficulty. Okay. All right. So, all of this is getting around to, um, and this is, is not, I'm not trying to diss Spirit Island. I really like this game. But, but it has, it, it kind of, but, yeah, and everything <laughs> before the but doesn't matter. Um, but it does a thing with, with um, co-op difficulty that I think I loathe. And that is, the base difficulty is, it, it's... It's not that it's hard or anything like that, but from the base difficulty, you have two options. You can make it easier by doing this, this, and this, or you can make it harder by doing this, this, and this. So the base difficulty is in the middle. That is immensely unsatisfying to me because what this means is if I want to play this game or any game where the difficulty starts in the middle and I want to make it easier, then I am actually saying, oh, I need help to make this easier. So I start mm. saying, okay, I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to do this. And to me, that feels like I'm, well, I'm not really playing the actual game. I'm playing the nerfed version of the game because I'm not good enough to beat the actual game versus something like Gloomhaven. Cause I, we did that a lot. We stepped up the difficulty like two or three levels sometimes because we're like, we're badass. We can do this and we will step the difficulty up and it makes you feel awesome that you're able to beat that pandemic. Pa- the base pandemic is, I think it's four epidemics or five, whatever the base one is. I, the legacy I ones are the five. ones I played. Yeah. And the legacy ones I think are a little different. Um, but in any case, those were the difficulties we started at. And if you added another, you know, epi- or pandemic 
card to it. Is it pandemic? Okay. Outbreak epidemic. Card. Um, Outbreak. Epidemic card. Yeah. Epidemic, yeah. Epidemic card to it. It Don't makes it more difficult. Myself. So when you <laughs> when you add that in there, you feel good about beating this game that's at a harder level. This this is my complaint about Spirit Island. And it really came to light when the app said, hey, you didn't play this at the right level. Therefore, we're not counting this as a win. That really, really bothered me. And it literally doesn't count it as a win because it doesn't keep your statistics. So you, you don't get a win for doing it. <laughs> and I'm like, ouch. That's just like a punch in the face. I'm like, ouch. Screw you. I want. I played the game. Yeah. So wait, I had is fun. this like um, is this a campaign that they have you doing, or is it just this is the game? It's just standalone you, game. Yep. And if you lower the difficulty level, it won't count your stats. Yeah. Like it'd it doesn't have. You, I feel like it should have a separate thing, like one so many at this level, one so many yeah. at this level. Like That's that would matter has, to me. But like, like your difficulty, yeah. like I won the yeah. easy difficulty, like. Right? I, I don't think you should be punished for playing it on easy difficulty. It's there for a reason. Like, I, that, I'm on your side now, Chris. You you won yeah. me over. <laughs> John agrees I'm with angry me too. on your behalf. Well, you won me it's over just, when it's they like, said... It's like if Pandemic said... You won me over when, when you said, like, they don't count any of the stats for some reason. Like, I have no problem if they want to set the difficulty to, like, the middle so you can lower it and raise it. A lot of games do that, as right. opposed to just having a base and being able to like ratchet it up. I mean, even Gloomhaven, you can you can go down a level if you want. Um, but it seems weird that they're so, just like, yeah, this doesn't count. Maybe they just didn't want to program in the extra stat menu for like easy, normal, well, hard. So, and I don't even want to think. Like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to like point at the app. I'm saying the app doing this pointed this out to me. But if you were playing this in person and you were learning the standard way of doing it. You would be playing the standard difficulty, and it'd be incredibly difficult, and you'd have to get to the end of the book and says, hey, if it's too hard, you can do this and this and this to make it yep. easier. It still doesn't feel good to win when you have to do that. But it's not like the app – it's not like the board game prevents you from, much. Like, counting wins. It doesn't count any wins. That's up to you. Sure. It, right. Right. But it'd be the equivalent of saying Pandemic has six Epidemic cards in it as a default. And if that's too hard for you, you can go down to five or even four if you really need to. So I am sometimes guilty of like a lot of board games will have like the learning rules or like your first game setup, do this. And I never want to do it. Like, so if you tell me like, this is the easy one, I'm like, no, I'm better than this. Like, it's going to make me like really dig my heels in and be stubborn. And I don't think i would stop that just because i'm not winning as frequently unless it's literally in an app and it's not counting my win that makes me so angry yeah like the whole point it's, of playing games on apps is to like keep track of the like stats like that's the fun and like especially when there's like unlockable achievements that you can do like play this way and do that and like that's why i don't remember all of the pandemic stuff that i did because i think i went through and basically unlocked as many achievements as i could and then got bored with it when i didn't have any more 
you know, digital rewards to keep me playing. <laughs> yeah, I had to make up my own things for Spirit Island. I'm like, all right, I'm going to play at this easier difficulty because I like it. I'm going to play every spirit and win with every spirit because that's the cool thing about Spirit Island is the immensely asymmetric play style of all the different spirits. And then once you go to two spirits and the combinations of them, like there's, it's, there's so much good in this game. But I can't, I had to just kind of discount the idea that I'd ever have any kind of statistics because it is not fun at the standard difficulty. Now, there's a couple. So, Kitty, you said you had something to add to Gloomhaven before. So I will move on say to in campaign games, when you are supposed to be progressing through scenarios, I would like to think that there has been more like care put into the win rates for each scenario because you should be gaining rewards for beating the scenario, which will allow you to beat the next one. There's like a progression there. And it makes sense to, you have to be able to beat this difficulty before you can go on to the next level to beat that difficulty. Like you either need to be learning something or gaining something. It it should be in a good game teaching you how to get better and giving you equipment or whatever it is to be able to achieve the end game scenario. Yeah. And uh, it's been a while. I need to break out Jaws of the Lion so I don't have to ask these questions that so many people know (laughs) the answers to. But um, help me in chat. But I think if you lose a game in Gloomhaven, you still get some reward. You get the gold and experience that you get. So even then, even though I lost, I still feel like I accomplished something because I got something out of it. Well, in Pandemic... you e- like Pandemic Legacy, you even get more benefits for losing because they want you to keep going in this game. It doesn't work if you just lose and lose and lose and lose. The story doesn't move forward. So they want the story moving forward. So they're going to give you these benefits. If you lose too many in a row, there's no way you can lose the next one because we've given you all of these extra abilities. <laughs> and yeah. if you're losing yeah. with all these extra abilities, either the cards were really against you or maybe like you're just not trying. I don't know, man. I do like that about Pandemic and and, and several campaigns games kind of do this too, where if you win, the game does something to make it harder for the next time. And if you lose, the game does something to make it easier for the next time. And if you keep losing, eventually it's like, you get an auto win on the next game. Congratulations. Yeah, we did have to do one of the things where like, if you haven't done this by now, open this box. And we're like, no. Yeah. (laughs) I hated that. And and you feel, (laughs) yeah, and you feel bad. You're like, okay, I did poorly there. Eventually, it just gave it to me, but I felt like I could do better. But I think that that is great, too, because it means that the game isn't just, like, handing you stuff. You still have to earn it, but you're like, oh, now when I play Pandemic Season 1 again, I'm not going to have to be forced to open any box. I'm ready to play Pandemic Season 1 again. I've forgotten everything I remember about it except, like, (laughs) three things. So I don't think I can let out any spoilers because I don't remember what it is <laughs> yeah there's there's a disease that you have to cure um oops spoiler <laughs> <laughs> there's actually four of them there is actually four of them so all right let's look at another way that difficulty is handled and that's arkham horror the card game and i know that neither of you have played this nope. game um no matter how much i want to get you guys to play it If there weren't a pandemic going on, I would have forced you guys to play this already. But one thing that this game does, it's, again, just to quickly recap what Arkham Horror the Card Game is, it's a deck building, well, 
It is a deck construction game. So your character is the deck that you construct and bring into the scenario. You go through the scenario and you're trying to figure out what's going on in the scenario so you can ultimately win and move on to the next. It's a campaign game. Each campaign is made up of eight scenarios, asterisk for the very, very first campaign in the starter box, which is made up of three. Um, but... This game doesn't have the replay mechanic that Gloomhaven does. In Gloomhaven, if you lose, then you play it again until you win, and then you can advance on, you can say you've won it. In Arkham Horror, no matter what, something happens. So I can be, I can basically have the ent- a total party wipeout. Everyone, everyone quote unquote dies. You still move on to the next scenario. The ending is much worse and much harsh and bat- harsher, harshish, more <laughs> harsher. Um, is not good, but you move on. So it's a fail forward type of mechanic and you can recover mm-hmm. from that. In Arkham Horror, it's almost set up that you expect that you're going to fail. And this is one of the things that I love so much about this game is I can try out all kinds of things. And eventually, if you fail enough, you're just not going to make it to the end of the campaign. But the idea that this is, there's pressure here. There's, there's an intense, <sighs> It, it makes you feel like you are just barely making it through. And sometimes you don't make it through, but you wake up and you're like, oh, man, I don't know what just happened, but it was bad. And, oh, it's still happening. So I have to figure out how to recover in this next scenario. And characters die sometimes, do they not? Oh, they die. Yep. <laughs> so and there's, there's two Does ways. Does that make that it more meaningful die. to the game for you that the characters can oh, die? Oh, yeah, that they can it, die. But maybe make it so that as a gm you sometimes want to kill your pcs no 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 um, i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> kill, kill your pc you try no, i'm gonna kill your pc no no no. i'm not gonna try it's just gonna happen because i'm gonna do it the arc of horror way because there's two you ways can't it can flavor happen. kill me if you flavor kill me that doesn't count you have to mechanical kill me or Fine. I'll- that's ex- and that's exactly what Arkham Horror does. There's flavor kills and mechanical kills. So a mechanical kill is you <laughs> get taken out of the scenario enough times equal to your particular stat. So there's health mm-hmm. and sanity. And if you get taken out by health equal to the amount of health you have, you are out. You're dead. You're no coming back. And then there's flavor kills where if you were in this location when the scenario ends, your character is killed. And that doesn't normally happen until later in the campaign. But it's like, what? And then you're dead. Um, I like this difficulty. The other thing that it does is there's four difficulty four difficulty levels of the game. Easy, standard, hard, and expert. I believe those are the four. I play on easy because it says easy. It doesn't say that it's like, if it's too hard, play on easy. It just says, here's easy. You can start here. But if you played on standard... That's fine, too. Uh, Most games now, instead of saying easy and standard, they say story mode and standard. Again, for the same (laughs) reason I have problems. It's like, you don't want to play on easy, but play on story mode. We'll just let you go through and experience the story. You won't have any any difficulty going through here. Um, But then you can play on hard and expert, which are just crazy. I... I really like the difficulty scaling. I like how they handle failure in Arkham Horror, the card game. And I'm not alone on this. This is why it's one of the top rated co-op games of all time. Um, it's quite fun. And I'm going to get you guys to play it at some point. I mean, I'm- I mean, my only problem with it is that it's the Fantasy Fight living card game model. And I just have to keep like, take all my money. Yeah, it's the investment. Like, here you go. <laughs> well, you don't because they've already taken all mine. That is true. <laughs> 
You don't I, have to be a sucker. Just make friends with one. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute. How do you think yeah, I got my key? I still forged have backs? two sets. I have two sets. Exactly. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I have two sets of all of these of everything that they put out simply so I can bring other people into the game and we can play four players without needing cards. Um, let's see, Marvel Champions. Uh, this is something I think that you would probably like Fletcher. And I don't know, Kitty, what are, how, what's your feeling on the Marvel franchise in general? Eh. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you less of a thing. Well, actually, Fletcher, I have I don't no know. strong feelings feeling? one way or the other. I like other. Marvel. I've, uh, <laughs> I've always liked Marvel comics and um, I like the movies and uh, I even like the Marvel versus Capcom video games. So yeah, thumbs up for Marvel. Well, I think you might like Marvel Champions because this actually fixes much of the problems that you guys just described where it's like it's the living card game. You have to you know keep buying it. They're trying to fix that with this one. So every pack you buy is a full character that's just playable out of the pack. Open it up and you can play. And if you want to play against different villains, you buy the villains and now that's the scenario that you can play against. So if you want to play the Hulk against Kang, you buy Hulk, you buy Kang, and you're done. That's all you need to do. Um, and you can buy, you know, Green Goblin and uh, you probably want the base box and that has three different villains in it and four different heroes. But ultimately, this game does difficulty in a way that a lot of games do as far as scaling. So at one player, you have to do three damage. At two player, you have to do six damage. At three players, you have to do nine damage, etc. The problem with this game is that very low counts or like basically one players that it's very very swingy like it's very luck driven but at two and three it's like it it just excels at what it's trying to let you do and i like this quite a bit uh people though have found a way of not necessarily found a way but it's a game where you can if you do deck building and you don't have to but if you do do deck building you can make some really really good decks that just plow over these villains so Fantasy Flight actually came out with two additional difficulties for this game and how to make it play in like epic heroic mode and things like that. Like, okay, do this and this and this, and this happens if you do that. And I really like that because I like playing at the standard difficulty. I'm more than happy doing that. But I like that there's this crazy difficult mode where if I think I have just developed the best Spider-Man deck that there ever could be, I can try it out at this horror mo- harder mode and see what happens. On the swing of things, um, I this has just popped into my head, but I know that there is a game that's out there that was too hard, and then they came out with easier difficulties. Like if you want to... Actually, the Lord of the Rings adventure game from Fantasy Flight, just staying in the same company, um, one of the complaints about that game was it was too hard. So they recently came out with a story mode for that game, and it's app-driven. So they made... It's like, oh, no, no, if you just want to experience the game, but without all the difficulty, then you can play it in story mode, which makes it a whole lot easier to play, which was welcome. And that's why they called it story mode as opposed to easy, because they didn't want people feeling like they had to step down. They wanted people to feel like, oh, this is just a different version of the game that I can play and actually have some fun with. Thoughts on those things? Hmm. I feel like if it's so hard and so unwinnable and people are complaining about it so much out of the gate, like how did it get through play testing? Like, I don't know. That just seems like something oh, like. That's a fantastic question. I have an answer. Uh, to. Maybe people who love, I don't know, or masochists or love like those bullet hell Japanese video games. Shmups. Uh, 
I'm curious to hear what Chris's answer is. (laughs) Yeah. So the answer, so um, you can compare co-op and solo games a lot to video games, Uh, especially video games that have a winner to it. And I spent a good portion of my life writing and designing video games. Our goal there was a 75% win rate that made people feel happy when they won, but it wasn't so easy. The problem is when I'm developing this video game, I am playing it over and over and over and over again. I am probably one of the best players at that game ever. Same thing happens with board game playtesters. When you give them something, they know this game inside and out. They've been testing this game forever. So they are incredibly good at it. What I had to do when doing video games was saying, if I lost ever, then the game was too hard and we needed to tweak it down. If I didn't, if I didn't ever lose, then okay, that's a good place to start and we should probably make it a little easier. Same thing happens for board game developers and testers, where you have to be careful that you are not catering the difficulty to the masters of the game. And sometimes these things get out not taking that into consideration. So I guess my naive assumption was that like playtesting is not just done by the developer of the game. That like these companies have people who like, okay, it's gone through so much development with the team that is making the game or like the one designer even has like come up with it. And then they like bring it to a group that has never played it before and like test it there a few times. And that happens, but typically the main playtesters of a company or something, they're they're playing the same game over and over and over. They're not designing the game, but they're playing it. It's hard to get a completely green group to play a game. And even if you do, you have to get many of those groups to play it before you can actually get a feel for difficulty. So that's why it's so hard to balance that difficulty level. Mm-hmm. You just need, like, green players uh, and that's over fair. and over to, like... How did you feel? How was it? Di- exactly. How was the difficulty? And that's what happens when you release a game. Now you have a whole bunch of proto or a whole bunch of beta testers testing your game. And in a video game world, you can tweak that difficulty. In the board game world, it's a whole lot trickier to do that. So I would think that as a, if I were a game designer, my aim would be so if I want there to be a, I would say 50-50 to 75% seems to be like a normal kind of, you feel good about yourself playing this game, you lose often enough that it doesn't feel automatic, but like that's that's the range that you want to aim for, for like the standard mode. And that like, you'd rather have it be a little bit easier on standard mode and have it scale up rather than have standard mode be too hard and have to scale it back down to easy because nobody wants to be told like you're too bad to play it at the normal mode. <laughs> like it, it feels much better to have You've to master normal. Like, now, Oh, I'm so yourself. good at this. This is so easy. Now I can move forward in the game. You don't want to take steps backwards. Like that's what it feels like when you're going from like normal to easy, you're taking a step backwards in the gameplay. Whereas if you're going from normal to hard, you're progressing. And that feels like, we are all programmed to want to progress forward. So as a game developer, you would want it to be, if anything, accidentally too easy with the ability to make it harder in the box already. Seems like a much better strategy to me. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, There's two people, uh, so I listen to a decent amount of um, board game media. Tom Vassell is on 
the stop making your co-op games so hard that you can't win them train. Mm-hmm. And um, Richard Ham Rado, is on the I like a game that's going to punch me in the face train. <laughs> I think... I think Tom is probably closer to what most games should feel like out of the box. The first couple times you play a co-op game, it should feel like you, all right, I get it. I can win this game. This is cool. And now let's turn it up versus it's just hard. <laughs> I do feel like, though, you don't, you probably don't want to win your first game out of the box for a co-op. Like, I don't know. That's just me. But like, no, but you want to feel like you could have. I feel like it. Exactly. I want to feel like I could have. That's a really narrow, like, line to walk when you are trying to go from, like, oh, I want to play it again. I was so close. Like, that's where you're aiming for. But it's it's a small mark to hit. Yeah, I feel like you can lose your first game as long as you're like, oh, like. I was close. I think you should lose your first game. I mean, game. I think I lost the first I game of Gloomhaven that-, that I played, and I lost the first game of Pandemic ever that I've played. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It, it didn't make me want to, like, not play those games again. In both cases, yeah. like, with Pandemic, uh, I was pretty, like, the team I was with, we were, like, we were pretty close um, mm-hmm. to doing it. So it's like, oh, we were so close to, like, you know, beating the game. Um so it didn't make me want to play it any less. And I think being in that, like, oh, we were so close range actually makes me want to play it more yeah. than, like, yes. oh, we won that so easy. Yep. Like, yeah, I'd rather I think f- losing- lose close than win by a mile. Like, you want it to be, like, or even, like, we just squeaked out that win. Yeah. Losing by a little bit in your first and second game, for sure, is a compelling way to want to go back mm-hmm. and play it again. Yep. Now, there's another game that just recently came out, Kingdom Rush, that I've seen many people say, this game is so hard. And <sighs> I've never lost it. Um, I, I've, I haven't played past the third level so far. So it's, but it's a puzzly game. And I get it if you don't figure out the puzzle, it's really, it's impossible to win. But if you figure out the puzzle, it's not that hard to win. Um, I'm actually thinking, well, there's two things. I want to ask, answer Matthew's question who's in the chat. And I also want, I was going to actually bring in another topic into this episode, but I think we're going to pull this out into its own episode. And that is the types of co-op games out there, like the mechanics of a co-op game. Because when Pandemic came out, the how how Pandemic worked was unique. Like it made, pand- or made co-op games something that's like, oh, this could actually be something cool. And we have so many ways to do co-op games now. I want to do an entire episode on just the types of co-op games that there are out there. But, um, so, and because we're running short on time, or at least later <laughs> in the episode, I'm going to save it for that. But Matthew asks, uh, what about single player or single use games like escape room games? And I don't know if you guys have played, I know you haven't done a real um, in-person escape room because AK. There's also this pandemic thing going on. Um, we were planning I mean, on it. I did it before. I mean, we haven't done one together, but I've done real yeah. life escape rooms. I know Fletcher hasn't, though. We were trying to get him to do I know. such a thing. <laughs> and then the pandemic but happened. It's so there much are fun. Many, yeah, and then the pandemic happened. But there are many escape room games out there. And they're basically, it's an entire genre now, right? Mm-hmm. These games, you only get one chance to get the difficulty right. What do you think about those games? And I and so Kitty, you can this Time Stories is essentially an escape room game, so you can equate mm-hmm. it to that. But have you played any other escape room? Yeah, I games? played a couple 
Exit, um, the Exit series ones, and I think I played one. What's the other big line of escape room games? Um, I think it might well, be like Exit, Escape, escape the Room, <laughs> Escape the um, Room, Unlock. <laughs> Um, escape. I think we played Escape the Room together. I think we played an Escape the Room together. I definitely played an Exit one with my sister and our husbands. Except I just ended up like throwing the puzzle in the corner by myself and like turning into a crazy person because no one would pay attention or play, <laughs> and it was very frustrating. And these ones, there's usually like a hint mechanic, and so it it can help you in that way where like. So if you're like counting this, you like end up with a score basically of like how quickly you can solve the puzzle. Do you escape within the time limit? And there are so many like hints that you can like either open an envelope kind of a thing or you can like uh, go to the back of the book, whatever it is. There's like, okay, if you can't figure it out like this, you know, here's a little hint to go. And you like, you know, deduct points from your score basically for using those hints. And I don't know, real life escape rooms are just so much more fun than anything I've played in a box. But I, yeah. I think the first season of Time Stories feels closest to that experience. And it's really, I it's an interesting one because it adds the time loop mechanic, which I think is so interesting, so much fun. But it also can feel like, oh, we have to do this again. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I like about the escape room style games and their difficulty is that hint system and a lot of times the game is as good as the hint system is yes um and actually john just mentioned that the unlock star wars games those have been getting a lot of buzz if anyone wants to like try out if you're just moderately like star wars but want to try an escape room game do the unlock star wars i have not yet played them but i've heard enough reviewers i trust say that they love them that it's they're worth checking out. Um, and John says they're good too. So, but that hint system is perfect because it's like, okay, I have to do this in an hour or whatever the restriction is. But if it's too hard, I can get a hint that gets me past my current problem. And the hint system's based into like built into the final scoring. So it's like, okay, maybe I didn't get five stars. Maybe you only got four and a half stars, but I still accomplished it. So it doesn't feel like you're knocking down the difficulty with the hint system. It feels like you are not getting an optimal score, but that for some reason just feels better than saying, well, you couldn't handle the standard difficulty, <laughs> so fine. We'll let you get past this puzzle. I mean, okay, in these dum-dum. games, there's no... <laughs> it's it's a single-use thing, so you can't go back and, oh, like let's try again. It's, oh, I didn't get to do 75% of the activity I purchased because I was too stupid to get past this one point. Like, there's no way they would sell more than one of those games if that was how it worked. Yeah. And keep in mind, when we say single use, um, we understand that most of the escape room games these days are resettable and someone else can play them. But there's probably something use for you. games. Yeah, not the exit. No, the exit games. I think you have there's there's something involved, you have to cut involved. up things. You've got to move them around. Yeah. Like there, it is. But it I is think, a one and done yeah, experience. But they're not very yeah. expensive either. Yeah, but most escape room games today allow you to reset them. Um, but in any case, it's still you're only going to play it once, and then and then you're going to be done. Uh, so I I still like the way the hint system works. I think that 
not all games can do this though, right? Because you, you can't put a heat yeah. system in Spirit Island. Uh, what about what <laughs> well, about you can, like but Hanabi? it won't give you more point. It won't track your statistics anymore. It won't track your statistics at all. It's, <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> what about something like Hanabi in the Mind? Um, you well, both the mind played the Mind, a game, right? So, uh, which one is the Mind? The Mind it's is where you can't you can't <laughs> talk. There's a deck of cards from one to one hundred, and everybody has a certain amount of cards depending on the round number. And you have to play them in some in order from one to one hundred, but you can't communicate. I've with not each played other. that game. All right, have you played Hanabi? Probably not. Hanabi is a game where is you that have the fireworks? Uh, five cards, but I've that's not the played fireworks that game, one. But I know what you're talking yep. about. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't um, you can't look at your own cards, but other people can see what you have, and they're both co-op games. And the reason I bring them up is because I've never quote unquote won in either of these games, but I enjoy them. Uh, with the right people. I enjoy playing these games because you're trying, like in Hanabi, you're trying to get a perfect score of 25. If you get a 20, you've done pretty darn good. Okay, let's play again. With the mind, you're trying to get to whatever level you're getting to, the max level based on the player count. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I've never won the mind, but I will play it over and over and over because there's something about it that gets you, that like your group gets better and better at playing this game. At cheating. Your group gets better um, and better at cheating because that's the strategy. only way. Because the strategy is to find a way of communicating that doesn't look like communicating. Because if you're <laughs> not communicating, you can't get better. <laughs> like it's I, just I disagree. I think now Josh cheats at this game for sure. Oh yeah, Josh 100%. straight up cheats. <laughs> straight up cheats. He basically says, we can communicate by writing on this whiteboard over here, but you can't talk. Um, he's got like a whole yeah, hand system. Or if it's down here, it's under 20. But if you're up here, it's over 80. And Yeah, it's he definitely cheats. But for his group, they have fun doing that. And you can get better with this. And I enjoy that, that type of game. Now, this isn't my go-to game. I do bring this out quite often with non-gamers. Because I think it's awesome to watch non-gamers be like, at the beginning, they're like, wait a minute, this isn't, you just play a card? I'm like, yeah. And then after a few rounds, they're like, Chris oh, likes bringing this game out because he enjoys messing with people. Because that, this isn't It's a co-op fun. game. I'm not trying to mess with them. I'm trying to win. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Because if you were trying to win, you would have won this game at some point. It's unwinnable <laughs> because it's not a real game. <laughs> Can we put this in the Ouch. vault? <laughs> no, no, no. This one, I, I'm going to keep this one. What about the crew? The crew is a great Have you played game. enough of the crew to have an opinion? Okay. I love it. I want to play more of it. <laughs> um, I want to play it so much that I like somehow put this energy out in the universe that my dad got it for my brother for Christmas, even though my brother specifically said, I don't want to play this game. <laughs> like that is... <laughs> All I hear is that you want to play this game. But I really like it. Well, we should play. Have you played it like three, four, five players yet? On a we played basis? three player. Okay, so we should play it on BGG, not BGG. Well, actually, BGA, BGA. board game arena. Sometime um, we did that a few weeks ago with some of our audience. Uh, we're not going to do it tonight. I have to work in the morning. But um, John, I really did enjoy playing it with you as well. Uh, this is live chat. But the way the difficulty works in this game. I think is brilliant because you just, it's like, all right, you satisfied it. You satisfied this particular mission. You move on to the next one and you play it until you win it. And every single time 
it just feels sometimes it feels unbeatable depending on the cards that come up yeah sometimes you just can't win well sometimes you can't win sometimes you literally there's no way to win like but most often and it starts really easy like the first mission is like how can we mess this up but like then it gets like harder and harder and things change it's really fun i've really enjoyed it now i have seen like this is going to get a lot of like game of the year uh for 2020 and i thought it was a 2019 game oh it's a 2020 i'm pretty sure it's 2020 but now you have me doubting myself but i'm gonna say no it's got to be 2020 because it hasn't won game of the year any place so it it must have be must be a 2020 but it will get a lot of like top tens game of the years it is a fantastic game i do understand the people that are like i don't see why this is the top game of the year i totally understand that it's not until you play this game it's 2019 in German, but 2020 in English, Adrian ah. says. Um, the but BGG until you play entry this, just says 2019, which... Yeah. yeah, And oftentimes, the, the US awards will be 2020, or t- the English release of it. Although this game doesn't really require any kind of language besides the... Um, the rule book. Uh, instructions. Yeah. Yep. Um, but this game here is one of those games that when you're playing with a group... Like, we played it for probably... I don't know, 16 hours on Board Game Arena with the group we were playing with. And we only got to mission like 15 or 16, but we want to regroup and do it again. It's one of those things you just play over and over and over again. And that alone makes it a great game. It's a game that you want to play all the time. But it's still, it's a five, 10 minute game each playing. So I I understand both sides of this. Still, if you like trick-taking and you like co-op, you absolutely have to try the crew. And if you don't like either of those things, then don't try it at all. But if you like one or the other, maybe it's your thing. (laughs) I was really frustrated because I brought it over and I was talking to my mom and my brother. I was like, we're going to play this game. Mom's like, I don't like co-op games. And my brother's like, I don't like trick-taking games. And I was like, I don't like either of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But they played Calico with me for like three hours. So I forgave them. There you go. All right. (laughs) So we are going to have a future episode um, in the in the relatively near future. Wait, on hold types on. Of the room's spinning. Games. What'd you say? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I said we're going to have. I don't. I forgot. Why is the room spinning? Because you said we're going to have a future episode in the future. We're going to have a future episode in the future. I'm going to drop my coffee um, mug in slow motion as I ponder. <laughs> <laughs> It's better than having a future episode in the past. Uh, but we're going to talk about the types of co-op games. Uh, just just to let you know, the categories I wrote down were like puzzles, event randomness, action result randomness, tactical imperfect information, and limited communication as my initial uh, types of co-op games. I will certainly come up with more as well. But in that, in the interest of time, and again... I don't like going back to work. But um, let's end <laughs> this episode, and then we will talk briefly about our D&D game post-credits. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for our Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in our show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. This is also the email address you can use to enter our giveaway. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the support us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. 
Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons, Adam Harrison, Miles Dropbear Clark, Gift of Games, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, <laughs> Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Milner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Rank, or sorry, David Rank, Radke, he's in there too, Jason Marks, Anne Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholz, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David David Rank again. Oh my gosh, all these David Ranks. Uh, Jerry Wong, <laughs> C. Marie, Justin Willard, J- Jason Rodney, Cindy Lum, er- David Rank, Eric Hoffman, David Rank, Andrea Dong, David Rank, <laughs> Eric Slander, Glenn Goddard, John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew, Andrew Fayesh, that's a new one, Kamal Berth, Sean P. Kelly, Mike, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, David Rank, John Gilstrand, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toff, Charles <laughs> Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, David Rank, Ronald Roy, David Rank, David Rank, David Rank, David Rank. Uh, thanks to David Rank and to all of our patrons, but especially David. Until um, next week, keep playing games and having fun. <laughs> I was feeling oh. guilty because every time I laugh over the gift of games because you always add something in for Miles Clark. So gift of games gets an extra <laughs> shout out because I keep laughing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. This week in D and D, let's see. You guys were camping and traveling on a road that lasted for about three hours. Uh, yeah, basically, pretty much. <laughs> Beat up some dudes. <laughs> so actually, what I did. The- yeah, actually what happened is, um, for those who are familiar with D&D, there's this game called uh, Someone's Magic Hut. And it creates a 10-foot radius. A spell. Yeah, radius circle. It's a spell. And it creates a dome over your your party that makes them essentially impenetrable. Like, according to the way the spell is written, the most powerful of beings cannot get through this dome if you don't want to yeah, let you them like- it. Put it in a dragon so, encounter, and then like, like everybody duck inside, take an hour nap, and like come out, continue fighting, yeah, and then kill the dragon. Yeah. But so, yeah, so the dome lasts eight hours, and the person who casts it has to, you know, basically concentrate on the dome. But if the person concentrating the dome is inside the dome, again, you can't get rid of it. So you're escorting this girl, Tabitha, uh, aka Tabby, and a in the middle of the night, a group of people we don't really know much about them, asks for the girl. And instead of giving up the girl, of course, you fight back. You kill two of them. The rest of them leave after the turtle threatens to kill the girl <laughs> if they don't leave. And they did leave. Yeah, because so, it was the best thing. We beat the GM. It was a great strategy. Way to go, Sydney. Uh, it was very much the speed shoot the hostage move. <laughs> Perfectly played. And it worked. It worked just fine. Um, For now. And but, but you still don't know who this group was. And you were quite paranoid for the rest of the trip, even though nothing happened, but could have happened. Um, what did you guys think about? So the main thing of that night of, well, last Friday was that encounter. So what did you guys think of it from the player's standpoint? Um, Fletcher, go. Uh, the encounter specifically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in general, the I wanted to keep fighting. The encounter, I, the the circumstances. I, everybody was like, "No, let's like uh, talk our way out of this and figure out some more information." I'm just like, "Why? 
they keep saying that they're going to kill us, <laughs> but we keep killing them. And they're like, oh, just just you wait. Just you wait. I'm like, how many of your guys do we have to kill for you to like not be a threat anymore? And it's like, yeah, but we don't know how powerful they are. And it's like, yeah, but they don't seem to be that powerful. Like, we just we're just killing them. So <laughs> the only reason I didn't kill any of them is because you guys kept stepping into my fireball radius. Right. And you you weren't even killing anybody. It was three of it was three of us like ha- I know handling. I didn't do any. Well, I mean, to be fair, I hasted Spencer, which is like, oh, our paladin now has like four, four attacks. attacks and can move 60 feet and around. That really helps. Um, So, you know, right. I feel like if you count that as my contribution, I did heck of a lot of killing well yeah so (laughs) so we should also mention that it was in the dark and you really had no idea how many of them there were you ended up seeing three and killing two it wasn't a problem and we knew there was a fourth we knew there was a fourth at least you knew there, but like i don't know but no one would let me fireball him i was just kind of (laughs) like i I didn't really even i didn't even really do much i didn't really even get to unleash my rogue really but everybody's like, no, 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 let's <laughs> let's barter with these people. I know the person that we're supposed to be protecting. Let's hold a knife to their throat and threaten that we're going to kill this person that we should be protecting. Okay. I mean, it worked. <laughs> it, it did. Um, I guess. Also, if you want haste next time, just stop rolling higher initiatives than me. <laughs> haste. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's a good rule, yeah. though. <laughs> it's true he was gone by the time it was my turn it's like i'm not gonna walk out of the hut to cast haste on someone especially when our paladin is standing right next to me with the next initiative i should have and since i'm gonna say it it's not gonna happen but the next time you meet these this group i should have the leader just walk up to one of you and just kill you with one blow then fletcher That's will take them flavor seriously. kill it's not a flavor kill is mechanical because i'll roll dice I mean, I'll just have a plus 20 to hit and plus 87 to damage. I mean, I take half damage. <laughs> yeah, you I take feel like half just damage. throwing us. <laughs> Sneak attack. <laughs> if you put someone in like a hugely overpowered encounter, that counts as a flavor kill to me. Oh, I, I totally agree. But it's hard to. So, from my perspective, it's hard to actually put a threat against you. That's not overwhelming. So when you were hitting these guys, like they had a ton more hit points than anything else you've encountered. Yeah. Like you had to beat on these guys to get rid of two of them. Now that alone should be like, okay, fine. They're not doing a lot of damage back, but they're not actually unleashing a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And, but it's hard from, from the DM perspective to say, these guys are a serious threat. Even though you're taking out two of the minions, you don't know what else is also they kept there. missing too which i think helped <laughs> they, also, they did have just the worst unlike those troglodytes that just um, kept on rolling 20s every time oh my gosh <laughs> those troglodytes were the worst i like the feeling of there's like the kind of video game analogy of like there's regular fights and then there's boss fights there's like the creatures you encounter and then there's the boss fight and you never feel bad if you die in a boss fight but you feel yes. really bad if like the random troglodyte encounter takes you out. Like, but you yeah. know, it sometimes it happens. Well, one of the hardest things to do in D&D is have the reoccurring villain. That reoccurring thing where it's like, if I put something in front of you, you expect that you can kill it. And if I go sappy sappy, oh, they escape in the mist before you get that final blow, 
then it's sappy. So it's it's a really, really hard thing to do. You never saw the big bad. Like you heard, but you never at any point saw them. And that's why it's hard for hard to get across like the danger you may or may not have been in. Um, I'm not saying you couldn't have taken them out. I'm saying you don't know. You don't know if you were in any significant danger or not. Their intent wasn't to out and out murder you. Their intention was to get the girl. And when Sydney pulled the knife, that did actually like uh it changed your plan. <laughs> yeah. And, I do give Sydney a it, lot of credit for that was a really good good moment there. Definitely very yeah, like it, I said, speed. It, <laughs> yeah, it changed things up. Um now I can like move in and say, okay, I'm gonna kill the paladin. You know, I there's a, a fifth level spell that's gonna come from left field and knock out the paladin, but that feels like a flavor kill, not a mechanical kill, because what you're fighting is so high level that it doesn't, you know, I, I love the term that any technology significantly advanced seems like magic. Yeah. Well, if I do that in D&D, it is magic, but also it's unfair if it's significantly high level. So it's it's not satisfying for anyone if I'm just like, okay, you get hit by this fifth level damage spell and now you're unconscious. Maybe it does. Maybe I'll do that. I, I mean, if he's unconscious, right, like, in a way that we can save Fletcher. him, but if you're doing, like, massive damage to the point where, like, <laughs> oh, I just came out of nowhere and murdered, and there's no well, chance, well, what you do like, is, like, that's you just not cast, fun. like, I don't know, a fifth or a sixth level version of sleep on everybody, right? And then everybody, everybody's yes. asleep, and then you wake up six hours later, and, like, all your stuff is gone. And you're not dead, but, like, you lost the encounter. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also, that's not super satisfying unless there's something you can do about it when you wake up. If I'm just like, you should I took all, all just your listen stuff. to the Glass Cannon uh-huh. podcast because it's so good. They're so good at this kind of thing. Another yeah. plug, they like, I don't know why a podcast would be sponsored by another podcast, but they're just so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that happens all the time. All right. Well, that was our D&D session. This week, we are, we made it to Waterdeep and you've just made it to the Yawning Portal. And yeah, you, um, you delivered a letter, I think. I believe we did. And yeah, delivered a letter from the uncle, who was the Baron, and you delivered it to Durnit, Durnin of the Yawning Portal. So for those who know Yawning Portal, you know Durnin. And we'll find out what happens next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.